Jason Brucklery, and this is the Brucklery Podcast. With me, as always, is my good friend and producer, Ari David. A pleasure. Uh, and it really is a pleasure. It's, you know, we, we end up talking about uh, so many things in life, of course, but what I enjoy so much is that you and I, we seem to, to come upon epiphanies as we go along. And, uh, you know, we know the subject matter. We know what we want to say. But uh, all of a sudden, interesting insights come out that we didn't necessarily expect when we first started it, right? Anyway, that, that should be the way it is, right? I mean, that's what great writing should be about. It's what great dialogue is about. And, I like, and that's part of the reason why we have these podcasts. Anyway, by the way, uh, I should give a shout-out to our uh, law firm's uh, phone number if you have any legal needs, 310-478-7788. 310-478-7788. Ask for me and let me know that you uh, heard about us through the podcast and be happy to, uh, to talk to you right away. Uh, real estate and business needs. Okay. Uh, there have been a lot of discussions um, in the past and the present, and I'm getting it more and more now, and it seems more relevant now than ever. And here's the question. Why are so many Jews liberal, right? I mean, it's a, uh, it's, you know, neither... You nor I are liberal, but we both used to be liberal, um, and we are now proud conservatives. But it begs the question, why can't more Jews be like us, uh, i.e. conservative, that they appreciate being conservative? Uh, Why can't they see that the conservative way is much more in line with the Jewish way uh, than liberalism? In fact, liberalism is the opposite of everything that Judaism otherwise subscribes to. Um, and, and I want to explore this a little bit. And I know that you have some of your own ideas as well. Here are my main thoughts on why Jews support liberalism so much, especially in America. Historically, uh, Jews have always had to deal with pogroms, uh, which is sudden attacks upon Jews that sometimes the government would would let uh, the Russians, the Cossacks, attack all of a sudden. A better word for it is riot. Right, That's exactly. Just, just kind of relieve the tension and, you know, go, go pound some Jews and sometimes kill them, of course. And uh, that, that's the way it was in the, in the past. And likewise, um, you know, in the middle of the night, people would, would blame those, those uh, Jews for killing Jesus and all these different things. And it, it was pretty vicious history. Uh, there were good times, of course, where Jews were allowed to flourish, and uh, everyone did very well. And those countries that allowed the Jews to flourish, well, they did well, too. But uh, when things started getting bad economically and otherwise, they would sometimes take to attacking the Jews. Sometimes it was even seasonal. Um, a lot of times alcohol was involved. Uh, but depending on the country... Um, they would, they would go on pretty vicious attacks uh, upon the Jews. Now, you hear also stories about the Crusades and the Inquisition, and there would be attacks upon Jews. Um, but here's the trick. Here's something that's very interesting to note. Very rarely did the government actually get involved in those, the, the presiding government, the European government involved. Um, in fact, if anything, the European government in charge was the savior of the Jews, in, a, in the sense that the government didn't sanction these things. It would, it would know that it was wrong, and it would step in, maybe reluctantly, but they would step in to, say, to, to help the Jews, and uh, the government became, um, in many ways, a place where Jews would go to, 
to, to get solace, to, to get security. So in the mother's milk, for a lot of Jews, the government is the good guy. The government is the one that can save you. The individual, and certainly the small community, uh, is a dangerous thing in their eyes. They're the ones that the small community that, that doesn't have anybody watching over them, they're the ones who get drunk and they start, they're the ones who, who start attacking you. They're the ones who call you the Christ killer and so on. Uh, and that suddenly you're dead. Uh, that's, that was a very European thing. And remember, anti-Semitism in Europe was very different than the very different kind of anti-Semitism that there was in America. In fact, in America, anti-Semitism, yes, it was there, but it was mostly job uh, anti-Semitism. Uh, nobody in, uh, in America went out and said, let's go pound some Jews. No, it had to do with getting into country clubs and college. There you go. And, it, and not being able to be hired for law firms. It was mostly social and economic, right? Yeah. And, um, and even then, you know, there was a sense that uh, you know, the government should be able to step in and stop this, this stuff. But by and large, it was a European thing. When, when people think of, uh, when Jews think of the government, they remember that the government is the thing that can save them at the end. When push comes to shove, government will protect me. Here's the ironic thing, is that government, the way you and I view it, we don't, we've never said there should be no government, right? But you and I believe that the one thing that the government should be there for is security, Right? Provide a military for outside forces. Military and law enforcement. And law enforcement for domestic purposes, right? And that's, that's where we are. So in a sense, we're, we're aligned. We understand that the government is necessary for those very purposes, to stop, to keep the civil rest, to keep the peace. But many Jewish liberals go much further than that. They, they have come to believe so much in the government as their savior that they think that the government should be handling everything. And that if, if we don't have government, they, they, they completely have lost faith entirely upon the notion that the, the small community can help out and do a much better job than government. Yeah, they're addicted to their Medicaid and their Social Security and, and uh, welfare for the indigent and all those ideas. Right, because government is the answer. It was the, it was the answer for them before, um, and now the government is, is, is the answer for them still. But they forgot that things have really changed in the process. Now, by the way, if I were in Europe uh, as a Jew now, I would. I, I, it's You'd not that leave. I, I would leave for sure, but I would also um, seek solace in the government, and not not from a social uh, point of view, but from a uh, security point of view. I mean, they're being really roughed up there, especially in Paris. Things are really tough in in France, uh, and it's tough throughout Europe. Anti-Semitism is is unfortunately. Uh, revived, and as a consequence, uh, people are leaving right and left. But it's nothing like that in America. America embraces its Jews. It, it loves the Jews. It not only loves the Jews, but it loves Israel as well. It's a completely different story here. It's completely opposite here, completely. And what people don't realize is that the government um, takes as much as it gives. In fact, it takes a lot more than it gives. The government is like the mafia that demands that you give that you give protection money to them, 
And then in the process, all of a sudden, you realize that you're in bed with the mafia and that you have to do a lot of their dirty deeds for them. Uh, you have to kiss the ring. You have to do what is necessary to satisfy the government. And all sorts of permutations from, flow from that. This is my, my take on why. This is the primary reason why I believe that, that Jews still embrace liberalism. It's not so much that they embrace liberalism, but they have embraced government as good. And they, they, they went overboard in thinking that government is good. It's good for only one purpose, and that's providing security. And somewhere along the line, um, as they mixed in with others um, who wanted to talk about great social causes, whether that's communism or socialism or even fascism, um, they found that attractive. And they, they embraced that too, because if the government, under the theory, if one aspirin is good for you, then, then 10 aspirin is, is really good for you, right? Uh, the, the theory was that, well, if, you know, if, if government's good for us in security, well, they're probably good for us in everything. And uh, it, it got distorted, and sadly so. And soon it became in the mother's milk. And, and at the same time, Ari, something else happened. And that is that the Holocaust really took hold and really changed the whole dynamic of, of Judaism. And, and not in a good way. It, it secularized Judaism. Um, the Jews went inward in a strange way. Uh, many of us did. And we said to ourselves, you know what? We need to assimilate more. We need to be part of the culture. Um, we don't want to go through that crap again, right? And the theory was that if we assimilate, that they, they just might like us more. And never mind, of course, that it was the assimilators during Germany's early days that were the ones that were the first to go. Germany was the most, had the most assimilated Jews in all of Europe, and they're the ones, of course, that, that got attacked first. So it was a stupid decision, but there is nothing wrong with having a cultural identity as, as we Jews had. But anyway, the point is that it secularized the, the Jews of the world, including the, the Jews in America, who also loved democracy and all, all of its freedoms. And as I told you before, the French Jew who said, I'm not Jewish unless somebody makes me Jewish, right? Many people who came to America, suddenly they discovered that they didn't care if you were Jewish or not. They, they just, they embraced you. Do, you. do you have a good idea? Great, come on in. Yes, there were still uh, prejudices and such, but nothing, nothing like what, what happened in Europe. So suddenly there's all this freedom. And people... You know, they wanted to dance to Elvis Presley and the Beatles. They wanted to uh, <clears throat> enjoy, you know, a great uh, a BLT and a cheese a hamburger. They wanted to drive on Saturdays. These are all things that, that contradicted Jewish values, but nevertheless, they wanted, you know, what's the harm sort of thing? And, and truly, there is no harm in that. I mean, you, that's your choice as a Jew. God knows that I, you know, I drive on Shabbat. I, I, I. I'm kosher, of course, but, but I don't follow a lot of the Shabbat rules that I should be following and so on. But I'm not a secular Jew. I don't want to be a secular Jew. I'm a very strongly conservative, God-fearing Jew. And through the secular world um, came a total misunderstanding of what Judaism was all about. They totally forgot Jewish values. They forgot, for example, that um, owning guns is perfectly appropriate 
they forgot that the death penalty is not only an okay thing, but it's a required thing under the Torah. They forgot that abortion is completely antithetical to the notion of Judaism, of what God wants. They forgot the notion of what good and evil is. They instead drank the Kool-Aid of liberalism because they were told that liberalism and Judaism somehow goes hand in hand. These are the things that kind of came together, in my mind, to make Jews the liberals uh, that uh, we now see today. And, you know, what, what jumps out at me about what you just said is it ignores where <clears throat> in Europe Jewish self-determination uh, works and uh, why it worked. For instance, the Jews of, of France constantly looked to the government to protect them, the police. The Jews of Italy took the law into their own hands and protected themselves. And now in Italy, Jews don't fear. Nowadays in France, when some uh, Islamic uh, scholar or preacher says something terrible, uh, the, the people riot and, and beat up the Jews. And the police are reluctant to do anything. This is in France you're talking yeah, about. In France. Yeah. Yeah. In Italy... If a Muslim imam does something like that, they're deported immediately. Right. And it's because in Italy, the people learn that the Jews there stand up for themselves. And sometimes they'll commit crimes in, in standing up for themselves. People right. disappear. People get shot. People get killed. People get beat up who harass Jews. And I think there's an amazing lesson there for Jews that, that they need to be stronger and take matters into their own hands when it comes to their self-protection. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, and here's one of the ironies is that, as you know, I mean, I think you pointed this out to me. And by the way, I love the Italy point that you made before. Uh, that was an article that was recently uh, from uh, Wall Street Journal or otherwise. But anyway, very interesting article. Uh, the difference between French Jews and, and – oh, sorry, Jews in France and Jews in Italy and how they, they really – why is it that Jews don't have to fear in Italy – and As the point do. of the article, the overriding point, was that uh, European Jews are not all the same. Jews right. are not in the same peril all over Europe at the same level. Right. And uh, Italy uh, is more of a thriving economy because uh, the, the government can only play so much of a role. Even though technically it's a socialist country, the reality is that people kind of only take the government so seriously. And they, they know uh, that they, they have to take matters into their own hands all the time. So notwithstanding the, the, the laws on the books. All right, going back to America, your point is an interesting point. Uh, we Jews are not tough enough um, in some ways, uh, standing up and being strong where we see um, evil. We, we, are, we play the PC game far too often. And we're part of the PC game, unfortunately, um, especially among the liberal Jews. And by and large, and we, we talked about this before, the more conservative you are as a Jew, and I mean more observant you are as a Jew, uh, and in Judaism, for those who don't know, uh, there are three main branches. Some people say four, but I'll just go through the three main ones. There's the Orthodox Jews, uh, who are very observant. Um, there's, a, you know, and, and with among those the subset is the Hasidim, who dress in the the black hats and the black uh, uh, coats that you see, and they have curls and such. Um, they kind of keep to themselves a little bit, but they're obviously very observant. Those people are very conservative, very conservative, and thank goodness for them. They understand what's what, and believe me, my fellow Christians, they love you, 
and you love them or you should love them because your values are exactly the same. Uh, what you believe is different, of course. Your theologies are different, but your values are identical. All right? Fight evil where you see it. Um, you know, walk humbly with God. All the things that we, you know, they're anti-abortion, of course. They're pro-death penalty. They get it. They're totally on board with you. They are true studiers of the Torah, and they know what they're talking about. The conservative Jews, um, which is not the same thing as conservative politically, uh, they tend to uh, be also fairly observant compared to the reform, which we'll speak about in a moment. Um, and they embrace conservatism um, in the way that things are done, that they tend not to have, for example, female rabbis. They tend to look at things um, very deeply in the Torah, uh, but at the same time, they don't um, all dress up in these dark coats. Uh, finally, the Reform Jews. The Reformed Jews are a different uh, group. They, um, they're really an offshoot of uh, a movement that occurred, oh, I don't know, about 100 years ago. And the notion back then was that we should somehow open it up and, and to be a little bit more embracing of other faiths, uh, at least other cultures, and to recognize that we're in a culture that's, that surrounds us that's different. And... If you go into a reform synagogue, um, for many of you Christians out there, you'll, I won't say that it's identical to going to a church service, but there's, there's a lot of similarity to it. There are, there's music being sung. There's all sorts of nice things. There's a lot more English involved. Certainly from a Christian perspective, it's much more accessible because there's a lot more English being spoken. But from a Jewish perspective, it's, uh, it's quite different. And I'm not saying it's uh, worse or anything else like that. It's simply different. And it tends to be a little bit more embracing of the secular Jews out there, the people who are just not even interested in God necessarily. Or if they do believe in God, it's, uh, it's, a, it's part, of, part of their lives, but in a very distant part of their lives. It's in the background. And that's a big deal. That's a big difference between um, Reformed, Conservative, and Orthodox. Ari, what is the majority percentage of uh, Jews among the, in other words, which, who, who has a lion's share of representation, the Reform, the Conservative, or the Orthodox? Reform. They're yeah. more, more Reform. Exactly right. And, and one other thing that I think needs to be noted in this is among the Reform are all the people who don't go to temple ever, right. who are just Jewish by ethnicity and uh, don't uh, and are most likely liberal, right? And they they have this cultural thing going on, which is fine. It's something um, they they do. You know, there's an expression: there are twice a year Jews, um, and that twice a year means Rosh Hashanah, which is the New Year, and then ten days later Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. It's the most important day of the Jewish calendar. Um, and so, you know, even on the Jewish dating sites, um, they kind of define themselves about how religious they are. And one of the choices always is, I go twice a year to synagogue. And we all know what that means, twice a year, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And that, generally speaking, means that they're very detached from Judaism. And there are many who, are, who don't even go to synagogue twice a year, for that matter. Uh, but they're still Jewish, and they're Jewish in name only, so to speak. Uh, they don't even know if they believe in God. They're, they're Jewish, but they're not really necessarily connected. Here's the problem. And here, and because we're ultimately getting to the issue of why are Jews liberal? The main uh, 
thing is that, as, we, as you just said, Ari, most Jews are, belong to the reform category. And that is a huge group of people that also call themselves secular, or maybe even atheists, or at best agnostics. I mean, I actually know some people, some Jewish friends of mine, and they're very nice people. Um, they uh, belong to a, 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 a Reconstructionist, which is another version of reform. It's even more extreme than reform. Um, that uh, they get together now, and they are atheist humanists. They actually meet uh, on Saturdays as well, and they talk about, you know, how to be good and everything else. Um, they might and, as well be Wiccans. They might as well be Druids. Yeah, they, they, they don't have a mooring like yeah, we talked on the previous... They consider themselves ethnically Jew and very little else. Yeah, and, and, and I don't mean to poo-poo them. I don't mean to, to, to bring it down. You know, everyone can, can pursue their own path. But our mission here is to discuss why Jews are liberal. Uh, and the reason is that most of them are reform. And the more religiously observant you are, the more likely you are. In fact, the correlation is extremely strong. The more observant you are as a Jew, or well, as a Jew, the more likely you are to be politically conservative as well. Uh, in fact, I can tell you that uh, with such degree of confidence that if I see a Jewish man with a black hat and a beard and he's got the uh, titties on the that he's touching with his, his hands, which is the little prayer things to remind you of God, I can, I can almost guarantee you that he is a Republican, that he votes Republican. Almost guarantee. I would say with 99%, because nothing's 100% in life. But, but, and, and likewise, with the conservative Jew, I would say likely uh, with 85% confidence that he is politically conservative as well. The Reformed Jews, it, it uh, is 50-50. At best, it's At probably best. it's probably a lot worse than that. Well, or, or not, it, it, I shouldn't say worse yeah. in this the context of this conversation. It probably just breaks much more Democrat, sixty forty or yeah, that, that could very well be. But and I'll tell you some good news for, and, and from a conservative point of view, some good news uh, in a moment. But that's that's where that's the reason why there is this uh, this this vast majority of Jews that seem to be uh, liberal. They are not religiously liberal by any stretch. It's only because Christians view themselves as, uh, if you can define yourself as a Christian, well, that means you believe that Jesus is your Savior, right? Uh, you know this, listener, what I'm talking about. If, if you do not believe that Jesus is your Savior, well, you don't call yourself a Christian. You're not. You're just not, right? But that's very different about the way we Jews define ourselves. Um, I know many of my Jewish friends who are atheists. They still would would balk and they would they would you know uh, be very upset if you said that they were no longer Jewish. They, they, what are you talking about, Barack? I'm, of course, I'm Jewish. I just don't believe in God. It's a perfectly legitimate thing for a Jew to say. So it's it's not it's not a corollary to say Christian and Jewish. It's just not. So the theology is is not the issue at play here. It's the people at play. And these Jews, the Reformed Jews who uh, are very liberal in their approach, um, politically speaking, they're, uh, they, they have almost no connection whatsoever to the Torah or to the Talmud. They, they, they don't know what they're talking about. 
most of the time. And, and they don't care to talk about it. They're not even insulted when you tell them you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to the Bible. Many times they don't even believe in God. They don't believe in God. They don't yeah. care. They, they think it's all a fiction anyway. So when you talk to them about the meaning of the Ten Commandments, they, you might as well say blah, blah, blah. It yeah. means nothing to them. The prayers in many times to them are rituals that they do because of almost like a multicultural mindset of, well, I'm Jewish. Jewish is my culture. This right. is what Jewish culture people do. Oh, well, I don't believe any of that stuff. Right. I so have no idea what those words Yeah, mean. far from it from us to rag on, on that. I'm, we're not ragging on it. We're simply describing what is. And so among these Reformed Jews uh, are people that, you know, they, they want to be part of the culture. They don't drive. They, they definitely drive on, on Saturdays. They... They work on Saturdays. They're, for all intents and purposes, they live very similar lives to all Christians. So, or, or for that matter, people who are just not Jewish. Fine, and they're entitled to do that. This is a free country. This is the way it should be. We would never impose that upon any of our fellow Jews either. Um, but that also means that they, they don't know that much about Judaism. And Dennis Prager pointed this out so well. He said, you know, the one thing that they do remember from their upbringing is a phrase called Tikkun Olam. And you know what that means. Ari, what does it mean? Excuse me while I throw up. It means something like to do good works or to do charitable To heal works. the world. It means yeah. to heal the world. Tikkun Olam. And, and we are supposed to, from Orthodox down to Reform, we are supposed to. But what, is to, what does healing the world mean? To them it means recycling. Right. That means global warming, uh, fighting global warming. It, in a soup kitchen. You know, well, so high taxes. High, yeah, Social Security, <laughs> Obamacare, all those things. That's what they view. And, and, and when you tell uh, a Jew, you say, look, I'm conservative because I think conservatism resonates with, with the Torah beautifully. It's 100% consistent with the Torah. They'll look at you like you're crazy and they'll say, what are you talking about? Um, the Democrats are much more in line with Jewish thought. And you want to laugh. You want to smile at least and say, really? You, you, you believe that, huh? And, and then I ask them, I just say, how do you, how do you figure? Well, tikkun olam, they say, healing the world. Because that's the only thing they actually remember. It's like, it's like um, you know, somebody who says the phrase, c'est la vie, and then they claim that they know French, right? right. It's, it's, you, you know, just repeating it over and over. You can even say c'est la vie with a perfect accent. It doesn't make you French, <laughs> yes. okay? So this is what they know, um, tikkun olam. And even that, they're not saying it correctly, so to speak. They don't know what it means. They, they have no concept of what, what it means. It's almost like uh, uh, if, if I were to just give you, from an American point of view, um, um, freedom of the press, that phrase, freedom of the press. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, uh, you know an iron press? Right, I was thinking dry cleaner, <laughs> dry liberation cleaning? of all the suffragette dry cleaners. Yeah. Yeah. Does freedom of the press also mean maybe I'm allowed to, you know, literally, you know, a press from a, a journal pressing, you know, for newspapers. I'm allowed to press the, the and make a newspaper. Does that mean that I'm also allowed? To, of course it means that I'm also allowed to say what I want. That's what we understand it to mean. But you, you can't just say freedom of the press. It's a loaded phrase that, that has a lot of meaning behind it, right? But if you never have studied what tikkun olam means, then it's unmoored from any factual basis. So tikkun olam means what you want it to mean. It can mean communism. It can mean, not fascism maybe, but it can mean horrible things. Okay, so, uh, you know, just horrible, horrible things. Uh, that's, uh, so Judaism has, it's not this loosey-goosey uh, religion by by any stretch whatsoever. On the contrary, it has 
um, has guidelines, the mitzvot and such. Nothing like Sharia law, of course, uh, but it's always about guidelines. The Ten Commandments is the, the major ten guidelines uh, that, we, that we deal with. And the, the 613 mitzvot, which are, it's called the mitzvot because it means uh, basically uh, good ideas, um, good deeds, for example. It's just a way to comport yourself in business and such. You don't have to follow them all, but you really should. Idea like, um, and uh, this is the way we live our lives. But it's the the process in Judaism is, is extremely important, extremely important. It's it's how you should argue with your rabbi, how you should study the Torah. And by the way, I'm not very good at it myself, but I know that I'm I know what I'm lacking. How about that? I don't pretend that my level of observance is equal to the observance of an Orthodox. Uh, Jew who who knows so much more than I do, but I but I know that I don't know. How about that? Okay? Yeah, but he doesn't know how to ride a, mo- a mountain bike. So you're equal, right? Exactly right. right. <laughs> I guess so. But but to to make the analogy, and I'm not trying to insult uh, Reformed Jews, but we need to face it. Uh, most Reformed Jews really don't know too much about the Torah. They really don't. The rabbis know some some amount, of course, but the Reformed congregations they they, they really don't know too much. It's kind of like me uh, being pretty adept at algebra. And claiming that I have the same uh, knowledge of uh, math as somebody who knows calculus, okay, or advanced math, I just don't, and that's the way it is, and that's okay. But don't, don't please don't put it on the same footing. You're just not on the same footing. All right. <clears throat> but so it begs the question: Why is this all happening? Like Tikkun Olam, I think we explained that pretty well. It's the one thing they remember is, is that they heal the world, and so for that. They believe the Democrats resonate to that. The other thing we talked about, I think, before was what we said about how Jews have come to embrace the government as a savior of sorts. Why? Because in their history, they had always turned to the government to save them from the mob. Okay, that's what the government was there for. And by and large, the government protected them when the mob came knocking on their door. So it was a last resort, even though the, the government itself that they were dealing with in Europe were dictatorships and such, and you had to placate them, the reality is they could, they could rely on the, on the government and everything would be okay. And the government has sense of protection. So they come here to America and everything is inverted. Everything is upside down. They come in with their ideology that government is good, and they come to America, and for the first time, here's this bold experiment that says government, not so good. <laughs> Government, limited government is, is the way to go. So Jews, uh, Reformed Jews especially, are very cautious when it comes to uh, letting go of government. So there's, there's, it's part of the mother's milk. But if you're a second-generation Jew, a third-generation Jew, or, or, or beyond, you really ought to know better by now. Now, I said before that there's some good news in this whole, whole equation. The number of Jews voting conservative is getting higher and higher every election cycle. It's getting to the point where, uh, yes, it'll still be a majority liberal for a long time, but it's uh, predominantly because um, it's uh, predominantly the, the ideas are actually filtering through, and the Jews, even secular ones, are beginning to see that that uh, liberalism does not work. Liberalism is actually anti-Israel, or at least all anti-Israeli people are liberal, and they don't like the association. And uh, what's happened? And part of the reason why is that if you actually look at the older generation, those who are 65 and older, 
they vote very strongly liberal. It's the ones who are 55 and younger who are actually 50-50 when a conservative and liberal. But when you put them all together, it still seems wildly pro-liberal. Okay, that's the way it is. So as the older Jews are dying off, more conservative uh, influence comes into, into play, and you're seeing more and more Jews who are conservative. I'm very pleased to report that. So uh, it's, a, it's good news all around. Uh, there is a lot more observance in Judaism as well, which means there's going to be more politically conservative Jews as well. And by golly, I'm, I'm so proud of it because uh, I think we have so much more in common with our Christian friends uh, than we have with our uh, secular or atheist J- Jewish friends. Uh, there's a lot to, to uh, enjoy uh, and to be together with. I often say to uh, my friends, I'd much rather be in the following scenario, uh, in a room full of Eskimos and blacks and Hispanics and uh, lesbians and gays who are conservative than to be in a room full of Jewish lawyers, vegan Jewish lawyers, no less, who are atheists and uh, who are liberal. Okay? That's what I'd rather do. Wouldn't you? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, I'd I th- rather be around people who don't speak English who are conservative. <laughs> more exactly right. Them. Exactly right. And, and you really embrace that. Well, this, this is, I hope this explains a little bit about why Jews are liberal. Part of it is, is de- what, what defines a Jew as opposed to what defines a Christian. And it's the way that you view Judaism. Um, you can view it as, as a religion, which it definitely is part. And uh, you can also view it as a people. And it's only because we view it as a people that so many Jews are liberal. Good for today. And that is changing. My friends, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it's been clarifying. This is Brock Lurie. This has been the Brock Lurie Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you really soon. Yeah.